welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Justin. I'm sitting here with Pastor Roby, and we are continuing our conversation about how to survive a political season with your soul intact. And uh, we're having a, a really, uh, what I think is going to be a really interesting, helpful conversation in this episode. So Pastor Roby, maybe give us just the quick, quick, uh, quick, <laughs> quick bullet points of where we've been and kind of what's really this yeah. whole series about. Yep. So the series is not about the details of this particular political cycle that we're in, but yep. more uh, and not. So it's not specifically about the politics, the issues, the candidates. Mm-hmm. It is more about how do we shepherd our souls during a political cycle. And this is just coming from the last several years at the end of a political cycle, people find themselves disoriented or uh, discouraged, fried, anxious, broken relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's on when they felt like their, their candidate won. And that's been at times when they felt like their candidate lost. So it's not, uh, those are not just tied to whether uh, uh, someone's political party or candidate wins. It's just the political cycle can really take a toll on someone's faith and, and especially on our mission as believers, we have a mission that Jesus commanded us to do. It's not optional. And so a lot of times politics can overtake uh, our our lives, and yeah. in, including our mission. Yeah, we've talked about how politics has swallowed up so much in our culture. Yes. And that same temptation comes with, you know, it wants to swallow up faith, matters of faith. And, yes, and uh, so, spiritual lives. And so some of the key things we've talked about is uh, specifically politics makes a really good idol. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a lot of the, the things that make a, an idol in someone's life. A lot of those things can be very easily associated with politics. So we have to be watchful yeah. that politics do not become an idol in our lives. It, it's also important to make sure that we're starting with a biblical framework and letting that influence our politics rather than starting with a political framework and backing into politics mm-hmm. and backing that, into the scripture. I'm sorry, starting with a political framework and backing right. into scripture. That's right. Yep. So just making sure that, and, and some things to watch for to make sure that that's not happening. So yeah. some of those things are some of the key things I've been guiding our, our discussion. Awesome. So today what we're going to talk about is we've had this conversation and I, I love the metaphor you use to describe it. So maybe just give us the metaphor for the topic that we're talking about and how it plays into some of what people feel the pressure to be or become when it comes to the politics conversation. Absolutely. So a key part of our spiritual health is being active on our mission. Our mission was Mm. given to us by Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. Um, The way it's said in Acts chapter one is we are to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so core to our spiritual health is bearing fruit for him. And so this part of our, of guarding our souls in a political season has to do with our mission. And it's really recognizing a shift in our culture in the times that we live in. And I think probably one of the biggest influencers for this shift is the rise of social media. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that everyone has we, you know, various platforms call them followers. Uh, we right. call it platforms. And so there's now everyone has followers and platforms. And it's really friends and maybe people that were loosely connected. For the majority to, of people. For the majority of people. Now, there are some people that have a legitimate social media platform and they're influencers in that capacity. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, it's a way to just socially connect. However, it has created this dynamic where we 
are kind of adopting the same voice and tone mm. as a, a social or political activist. Mm. And so we've been using the metaphor of the uberization of social activism, which is, yeah. you know, uberization is, you know, there was once an industry of taxis, taxis right? You'd right? Have to make the phone call. <laughs> yeah. In, you, in Broward down here, I think it was like, what? Nine five four seven 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 seven. Exactly. Not anymore. You yeah. don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you'd call a cab. There's an industry, and then Uber came along, Lyft, some of these others, where now um, anyone can can drive someone around in their car. All you and, need is a phone in your pocket, and you can. You're a taxi driver. Right. It's not no longer exclusive to an industry. It is now uh, anyone can can be a provider, so sure. to speak. So that dynamic, and that's happened in multiple industries. industries. Yeah. I think about Airbnb and others oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So that's the Uberization. Well, that I believe in a lot of ways has happened to the idea of social or political activism. Mm -hmm. There was a season where or there was an era and probably for most of history there was a an era where there was a group of influencers. They were political candidates or there were a couple commentators. They were authors and people would listen to them, support them uh, in various ways, follow them. But they themselves didn't, they didn't see themselves as a political or social activist. They didn't talk like one, speak like one. And, and I think in that era, then there was more openness to dialogue. You could sit down, if a, you're a Democrat, you could sit mm. down with a Republican. If you're a Republican, you could sit down with a Democrat. You could disagree. You could talk about those things. And now we're still humans and disagreement's hard. But I think with the advent of people all feeling like they are now an activist with a platform and they have to speak like an activist, right. one of the consequences is we've not been able to disagree human to human anymore because we talk talk a certain way publicly. Yeah. And we disagree in this case, mostly online. Right. Uh, you know, where we're arguing with our thumbs, you know, back and forth with people that we're not able to converse yeah. with in many cases. And part of the problem is we feel we say things in a way and with words online, we would never do interpersonally. Sure. Because there's a, you feel like this separation, but it's still the same person on the other side. And so sometimes we can say things way strong, more strongly, more ugly that online than we would in, in person. So, so the uberization of social activism, yes. it's this idea that now anybody, you too can be a social activist. Yes. And there's almost this pressure because there's this wave of people who are taking to their social media platforms and they're speaking in these ways. Yes. So do you feel the pressure? Well, I need to right. respond in this way. Uh, and so what are some of the challenges with that? What yeah. are some of the pitfalls with when we uh, maybe bite off more than we, we can or should chew uh, in terms of our social activism right. online? Um, what are some of the pitfalls we just need to be watchful over? So I think there's really two main ones. And I think it's the first one has to do with what you said is that there's this pressure and there's this expectation that we are to all post in the same way and all use social media in that same way. Mm. And so when, especially when the political engine gets going yeah, or the cultural engine gets going because of some mm. incident in society, there is this expectation that if you are going to be a Christian that's engaging culture, you will use your social media in a certain way. And that certain way is to be a commentator. 
Mm. So you're to be a commentator on politics, a commentator on something culturally, something socially. And so you're, you're going to use it with that same voice. You're going to, it's very authoritative. It can be, um, sometimes very aggressive. It's, it's getting those. So then those issues and your stance on those issues are what come out first. They're, they're like some of the first things that someone can know about me on online because I'm, I'm posting all of those things out if, if I'm doing that. Right. And so the challenge is there's this pressure to do that. And a lot of times um, Christians can feel like, oh, like if I don't, if I don't post about politics or if I don't, if I don't step in and debate that person on social media, then I'm failing to do, to engage culture as a Christian and Christians can even feel or be made to feel like they're not being Mm. missional because they did not, they're not on mission because either they, because they didn't post. And so there's this pressure to post and uh, when maybe that's not the wise course of action, maybe mm-hmm. the wise course of action is to be silent. Maybe mm-hmm. the wise course of action is to use your social media for completely other purposes. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's not always the wise thing, but there's this pressure because everyone's a social activist now, so to speak. There's this pressure that that's the only way to use that that social media presence. Yeah. And, and that's not always wise. That that So having that question to say, Wait a minute, is this a time when I need to be a person who speaks into this thing happening? And sometimes maybe the answer is yes. You know, maybe if something hits close to home, um, you know, we've had tragedies hit here locally or and we want to use our influence. Sure, but this pressure to be some expert commentator on right. on the issues at hand, something we need to be watchful for and don't feel like what's the second pitfall you well, say? So before we get to the second one, I, I think the other the other part of that is when I feel that pressure to be a social activist, there are other uses to let's just dig in on that. I'm also going to miss opportunities for other uses for social media. Mm. And so the if I feel the pressure to be a social activist then I miss an opportunity to, when we talked about this in, in previous episodes in the series, what is the thing I am first and foremost evangelizing? Mm. And in, uh, in to the Corinthians, Paul said, I came to you with that which is of first importance. Like there is a priority order and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Now the gospel does come to bear on all areas of life, but there is a priority order I am called to reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, in one place, Paul says, I knew nothing else among you. And so like there, if, if I'm, if my social media post is buried with, with all of this, all these other posts, and I'm never looking for an opportunity to share the gospel or, or to say something that's going to point someone to some, something uh, towards Jesus, like I'm missing an opportunity. Mm. So that pressure to use my social media influence and my social media presence for a social or political platform is big. And there are Mm. people out there that will tell Christians, if you are not uh, being aggressive on social media politically and, and uh, culturally, you are failing as a believer. And that is just not, that is out of priority order. Mm. The num there are times to post, but we have to be we have to be wise because we actually have a greater priority and there are times many times that i am going to avoid something culturally or politically because i want to have an opportunity to share 
the clear, clean gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that the first problem is that pressure to use social media as a political or cultural commentator. That's helpful. That's helpful. So what get to the second, what would you say is the second thing we need to be watchful for? Sure. The second one is then we're missing actually what our primary calling is. Our primary calling is especially interpersonally, especially interpersonally, we are to be an army of good Samaritans. We are to be an army of people that person to person are demonstrating and uh, communicating the gospel. Mm -hmm. We're to be people that are showing love. And so th there's this dynamic with this uberization of social, of, of social activism and the rise of social media and things like YouTube where we're enamored by the momentary notice of the masses rather than the, rather than the deep impact on one soul. Mm -hmm. So if we post a something on TikTok and it gets a hundred thousand views, we look at that as, as a success rather than if I sit down and have one really meaningful lunch with a coworker that maybe doesn't know Jesus, mm -hmm. like the impact of those two is not even comparable. Mm -hmm. Like one hour or an hour and a half sitting with a coworker that doesn't know Jesus and having a loving uh, presence and even getting a chance to share the gospel that is planting gospel seeds. Whereas the momentary notice by a hundred thousand people that they, that they see a video one minute and the next minute they've completely forgotten because they're onto the next, the next video or the next post right. that's seen by thousands. Like those are not even comparable. And so we lose the impact of the one, the deep impact of the one because we're enamored by the momentary notice of the masses. And so what we're called to be is an army of people. If, if the, the, I just think of our, of our context, our, our city, if the church of South Florida, the tens of thousands of believers in South Florida committed themselves to having the deep impact of a few and saw the incredible eternal impact they could have on a handful of people around them, their neighbors, their coworkers, their family members. And if they weren't enamored away saying that that wasn't a, a, a thinking that that wasn't a legitimate, deep, eternal impact, if everyone recaptured that vision of what it would mean to have the deep impact on the handful of people they have influence around them, then there, that's how deep cultural, social, spiritual change mm. can happen. And so sometimes if I, and, and here's the tension, if I am in social activism mode, perpetually on social media, mm. then what I'm going to do is I'm going to limit the type of relationships I have. And it's going to make it so really the, pe the people that I'm going to have relationships for, uh, with are the people who think exactly like me. Mm. Because if I'm speaking in the, a very aggressive, even angry, combative tone of that kind of activist, I'm not creating healthy dialogue with people around me. And as a believer, it is so important for me to have all kinds of relationships with people who think differently than I do mm -hmm. so that I can have an influence primarily for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm in that activism mode, I'm going to be pushing those relationships away and I'm only going to have deep, meaningful, lasting, thorough relationships with people that think exactly like me. Yeah, and that makes me think of two things that come along with that. The first is social media itself is designed to bunch us with people and, and uh, accounts that post similar ideas, similar right. videos, 
So that isolation you're saying, the the algorithms themselves are going to funnel to us people who are thinking the same exact way, you know, along the same lines, further isolating ourselves from the people that we want to be in dialogue with. Yes. And if our goal is to ultimately influence people towards Christ, we want to be able to have relationship with people who think differently. We want to be friends of sinners and be able to point them to Jesus. Um, and so that's the first thing that makes me think of it. And the second is this idea of social activism online. I think the tendency also is sometimes that then excuses us from the, it makes us feel like, well, see, I made a difference. I posted this. Mm-hmm. I, I did my job. And there, there is value in, you know, when it's something that's truthful, you're standing for biblical truth. There's tremendous value in standing for biblical truth uh, in a statement that's not, um, you know, immaterial. But where the rubber meets the road is the person, your neighbor, your coworker, that it's not just a statement they need. They need you in their life being the presence of Christ and introducing them to who God is so that they might know him. And sometimes posting can make us feel like we've done our duty right. and therefore we have no work left to do. Right. We feel like the hard work is uh, we're a social media warrior. Well, you know, maybe the hard work is inviting your neighbor over for dinner, you know, and like having a, a barbecue in your backyard and having your neighbors over and in the hard work of actually having authentic sometimes messy relationship. Yeah. That's the work when we like Jesus, what is the work you want us to do? That was the work. It was yeah. who is the soul? I think of the good Samaritan. Mm. He was asked, how do I love my neighbor? Um, the political engine will tell you, here's how you love your neighbor. You, you speak truth to them. Well, like there is a time and a place for that. Not everyone is called to be a social activist, mm-hmm. but there is a time and a place for speaking truth in love and gentleness. But when Jesus was asked, how do I love my neighbor? It's the person that God has allowed to be put in our, in our path. And we give of themselves. We don't just lecture them. We don't convince them. We're not arguing with them. We're giving of ourselves in love to that person, especially the case that he gave was a Samaritan to a Jewish person. They were different politically, spiritually, socially. I mean, they were diametrically opposed. And when Jesus was asked, what does it look like to love your neighbor? Which he said was the second mm-hmm. most important commandment that flows right out of the first commandment of loving God. What does it look like? The, 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 the commandment that these two commandments sum up all the law, love God and love others. What does it look like to love others? It is giving of yourself to someone God has placed in your path mm-hmm. that looks very, very different from you. Yeah. And so if um, there's a lot of times mm-hmm. when a social activism presence on social media will actually make it uh, much harder, if not impossible to do that. Yeah. And so I want to use my, I want to keep prioritized on my mission, what I'm evangelizing and there's, and I'm going to be very thoughtful when and if I post on, on things that are, that are secondary in their priority to the gospel, because I, I want to be, a, a, I want to be part of the army that's loving the the individuals around me. I don't want to miss out on the value of impacting one soul for eternity. That's that's good. And I it reminds me of that story of Jesus at Simon the Pharisee's house and the Pharisees thinking to himself as this woman is there weeping at Jesus' feet, you know, if if this man knew who was, you know, there at his feet, he would not let her touch him. Yeah. And Jesus launches into this whole parable about whoever's been 
forgiven much loves much. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to have that kind of impact in people's lives who are far from God, whose lives are broken. We want to see people like Jesus did. Uh, he looks at the crowds and he sees them with compassion as sheep without a shepherd. And that means that we give the truth. It's not backing down on the truth, uh, but it means that it's done in love with grace and pointing people to Christ. And making sure the truth is prioritized. Yeah. The, we give them the truth, but the most important truth is the gospel of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And we cannot let anything else take priority over that. Yeah. And, you know, what's so important to remind us is like the gospel has an offense in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It confronts us. We are all sinners. And so we don't want to put stumbling blocks unnecessarily in front of people Um before we bring them to Jesus, the, the primary thing they have to wrestle with, they are a sinner in need of God's salvation. Mm-hmm. And so we want to present to them the wonderful Savior who loves them still and uh, have conversations with them first and foremost about him uh, and what he says about the way to life and the way to the Father. Any closing thoughts just before we wrap this episode up? No, I think that's, I think uh, the last thing is just again to emphasize God has placed, uh, for those believers listening, God has placed someone already in your path. I think we can just assume and expect that. And so um, how can you show love to them? How can you show love to them today? That is engaging the culture around you, engaging Mm -hmm. the city around you. And uh, what can you do? Uh, Or And if you have a social media presence, how can you take a risk and not, spend the risky post on culture or politics, but could you spend it on the gospel? Is Mm. there a post that you could put out there that shows the beauty and grace and truth of the gospel of Jesus? Um, What if more of us uh, did that more actively? That's good. That's good. And so we hope that this conversation has been clarifying, has been helpful to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the City Rev Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe or leave a rate and review. If you want more content or additional resources, head to cityrev.org or download our app. We hope you have a great day.